Hey everyone, welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. Good to see you again, Gordon. Good to be back. Good to have you back. So what are we going to talk about today? You spent a lot of time doing research and prep, and I told people last week it was going to be amazing. Well, one of us is lying. <laughs> it's not me. Uh, well, the only way to describe this is, um, how about a ramble? Let's ramble about light meters. Okay. Now you have a light meter sitting on the table in front of you. I do. Is this the kind of meter we will ramble about? Yes, uh, because uh, everybody knows that you have one built into your camera, so why are they talking about light meters? Well, this one isn't built into your camera. Okay. So, what are we talking about then? So, referred to as an incident light meter, you carry it around on a lanyard or in your pocket, and its claim to fame is that it measures light falling on a subject, and it measures the quantity of the light falling on the subject, and it is not influenced by the various factors that sometimes make the understanding of the light meteor in your camera uh, problematic. Okay. What kind of examples would you be inclined to think about in that regard? Where, where does the built-in reflected light meter sometimes throw people off? In very bright scenes. Uh, understanding, of course, that the, the reflective light meter is constantly trying to take whatever light there is and produce middle gray from it. Okay. So situations where you have a very bright image, uh, lots of white snow, lots of sand, lots of specular reflections... So it's not, it's not just that the, the scene is bright, it's that the subject is not going to average nicely to middle gray. That's right. Okay. So would this also be true then for a subject that was going to be predominantly dark? Absolutely. Our favorite black cat in a coal mine type of scenario. Absolutely. Okay. So bright things, dark things, specular things. When you say specular, uh, specular what do you mean? reflected off chrome, uh, ah. glass, so coming off the windows, or, or uh, even coming off water at the beach, off the waters at the beach, car shows, all that kind of thing. Uh, that all, all of that throws your light meter off, and until you learn to understand that you've got to make some kind of a compensation to get the whiteness or the darkness that you were perceiving, uh, you don't get the result you want. This, however, is a workaround or a better option in those scenarios. Uh, since it's measuring the quantity of the light, uh, it doesn't really care whether it's reflected or not. It's reading it as it's coming in, and it tells your camera what to do with it. Now, when you say it tells your camera, well, is it modifying the camera settings, or are you doing that no, yourself? No, no, that's that's the uh, that's one of the clinches with this is that uh, this, any settings that you see on that are not conveyed directly to the camera. So you can assume that you will probably be shooting in some kind of a manual mode. 
mm-hmm. and you will be controlling the exposure as you're told to do by the light meter. Okay, so I'm the creator. I will be using the light meter as the incident light meter as a guide to set my shutter speed for motion control, my aperture for depth of field control, in accordance with the light that's falling on my subject. And I guess I assume that if I don't like the settings, I could manipulate the ISO on the camera and make that same setting on the light meter, and it will tell me what the right settings are. Right. Okay? So it's it's a little bit more work, but it's not a sea change of, over what anyone who's ever shot in manual has ever done before. Uh, no, it's, it's not. Uh, and it might, in fact, be better than the usual manual shooting because you're not guessing. You're, you are now measuring and you're transporting that to your camera and you're getting the results that you want. Generally, first time around if you do it right. So that would improve confidence? It should. Yeah, no, it would for sure. Because, you know, I, I know for myself if I screw up the first 15, I'm less inclined to want to try number 16. <laughs> might be inclined to want to do something different. Yep. So in this world of incident light meters, are they all are they all the same? Uh, the principle is the same. Uh, however, depending on how much money you choose to put out, uh, they have variations in functionality. Ooh, I like that word, functionality. Nice functionality is a good word. I only have experience with the Seconic light, light meters. I had one many years ago where you had a whole bunch of little rings that you had to twirl twirl around. Uh, Things have changed. Uh, The one that I have now is, uh, seems on the surface to be fairly basic, but I'm finding out more and more that a little bit of reading and a little bit of twiddling, and it's, it's very comprehensive. But you go up a step from that, and you now have... Uh, even more complexity presented to you to use as you wish. And uh, they both of these give you incident measuring and it gives you reflective measuring should you choose to go that route. And one up from there, for a grand or so, will get you incident, reflective, and spot metering if you wish to go the route of, let's say, the zone system where you can measure everything in the image uh, to your heart. I know. I've used light meters, handheld light meters, for a very long time. Um, You've got one in front of you. Uh, Which light meter is that? Because you said it's a really good entry light meter that's got lots of power to grow with. Right. This is called the Flashmate L308X, okay. which I believe has replaced the 308S, I think it was, that came before this. And who's that? Who's the maker of that? Uh, Sequonic. Sequonic, okay. So they've been around making light meters forever. I was going to say that because I remember them from before I knew what light meters really did. So Now, this light meter you talk about, um, as we go through this, it n- not only does, you know, my favorite phrase, available light, hmm. 
Can it do flash? Yes, and uh, I'm learning that uh, the fact that it measures your flash, well, it's measuring the amount of light that is being provided by the flash, has literally changes the way you approach to the using a flash. I would watch videos of very knowledgeable people who are talking uh, about using a flash who had the assumption that you knew that flashed output could be measured, which at that point in time I didn't know and I really didn't have a clue what they were talking about. But now that I found out that you can measure the flash and not only measure the flash and uh, you can measure one flash or you can measure, well, not only flash, uh, Light, light from umpteen sources, including if you wanted to provide rim light, you could measure that. You could measure your fill light. You could measure your main light. And then you can put it all together, or like I said, depending on how much money you want to put out, the light meter will do all that for you and tell you exactly how much light is being provided by each of those lights. And what Knowing the amount of light, you can then discern uh, what your contrast on that image is going to be. So if I'm hearing you right, this makes it really simple for someone who chooses to use multiple sources to manage their source ratio. Yes. So that's got to be a lot better than guessing. Oh, that's, a, that's huge. Um, as an example, once you, you presented... Uh, you, a provocative uh, blog on your on the on the web that uh, if you guys are happy with what you're doing, well, why don't you consider light mirrors? So I I got one. It seemed like a good idea, and a friend of ours, also in the camera club, uh, had it, uh, the one up from this, and we got together and proceeded to learn how to use this, and. He was trying to photograph some, let's call it artwork. So flat, two-dimensional, uh, in a room, but we needed to get the lighting right. And the fact that we could measure across the face of this artwork and adjust the lighting so that we had equal illumination across this it changes things completely. Uh, likewise, portrait work. Bright light coming from the window, balanced against flash coming from the dark side of the room. You now have an image that you really like. So you're using the, the light meter not just to determine ambient light or flash, but actually to combine the two. Correct. Well, that sounds like a use. Um, are there things that these meters can do that a reflected light meter can't do or doesn't do quite as well? Well, the stuff that we, we talked about just now is uh, reflective meters, uh, I don't know. Do they, I don't think they can give you the ratio. Not uh, easily, no. Not, not easily uh, between uh, bright side, dark side. Uh, can't measure the amount of light that your flash is falling. But the thing that I found really interesting was that in uh, the one step up from the one that I have, 
you can actually do an analysis of your image and it will tell you how much of the total light that it is measured is coming from ambient light, coming from flash light, coming from rim light, coming from wherever. And if you wish to choose to modify those, altering maybe your f-stop uh, will increase the amount of ambient light that is affecting your image, or you want to go the other way and go with a faster uh, shutter speed, uh, you're now getting less of the ambient light and more of the flash, and you can have influence the overall color of the image is uh, an epiphany. <laughs> okay, that's word number two. <laughs> that's two. So in that context, you're measuring the light that's falling on the subject. You can deal with multiple light sources, and the methodology for using this is to point the little dome at the light source that you're measuring. And that's going to give you your accurate, your accurate reading. But then, if I'm pointing the meter at the light source, I don't care how big the subject is. No. Because it's the light that's falling on it. Right. Okay. And, and that, that's, a, that's a point that we sort of missed uh, before, is that with a, with a reflective light meter, if your subject is relatively small compared to the surroundings... It's contributing a relative small amount to what the light meter is measuring. And the effect that you get may not be what you want. I mean, you may get, get a well-exposed surroundings, but uh, not a subject. So the subject could presumably not be the optimal exposure. Correct. However, with this... As long as the light that's falling on the subject is the same as the light that is falling on the light meter, uh, it doesn't care. So there's a value proposition. You've already talked about one we should come back to. Because it's measuring the light falling on the subject, it doesn't care if the subject is black, white, or a mirror. Right. Because it's just meter measuring the light that falls on it. Right. So there's no need to do some of the things that we might do in reflected mode, like use the exposure compensation dial on our camera. Yes. Or make a manual choice to alter exposure because the reflected light meter could be fooled by what it sees. Right. In this case, that's not going to happen. Correct. Now, you could always make an exposure adjustment based on what you see because you choose to. Correct. You know, make it darker or make it brighter, but... But creative control is always there. And you're not using the dial on the camera to do that. That's correct. Okay. So you've had the, the device for what? A couple of weeks now? Mm-hmm. Where do you see this kind of meter being useful to you? We started off... With uh, you gave us a challenge of high key and low key images, and uh, <clears throat> we we went out and it was a 
snowy, miserable, over, well, it was completely overcast. It was a bright overcast. We were in a location where there wasn't very much uh, shadow falling from trees or surrounding uh, objects. We took a light meter reading from where we were, and everything that was in the scene was uh, uh, getting lit by the same degree of light. And we just uh, went to town. We didn't have to uh, focus on a piece of grass and then take a, re a reading off it and then try to make the adjustments. We said, okay, we've got this reading. Let's take one sh one image. It turned out to be the right exposure. We uh, We just... And for the next half an hour or so, we continued to shoot without uh, making uh, making any adjustments. So do you think that it made, you found it a bit freeing? That you could spend more time thinking about your image and less time Absolutely. worrying about exposure? Absolutely. So so in something like that, I, I found it very useful. And I didn't think I would. I, I thought that would be a limitation of the light meter, but it turned out not to be. I think it's an... A, a, I, I think it's a very important discovery that you made because there is the perception, oh, it's another piece of kit. Right. My life just got harder, but well, not really. Th that, that would be a perception, but it's a wrong perception. Okay. Okay. I think it would be invaluable in portrait work. Uh, anybody, I think, who does portrait work or indoor work, I guess macro photography, product photography... I, I, I think it would change the way you do things. It, not well, good. I believe it will change the way you do things. I, I, and I would concur with you, going back to the caveat that you raised earlier, that you invest the time to learn how to use the tool. That's a given. Yeah. If you don't do that, you're not going to be perhaps as successful. Well, we, we have already proven that because... Uh, the camera club member who had a light meter got it a few years ago and uh, assumed that it measured the same as a reflected light meter. So he took some images with the light meter, with the incident light meter, and some with his camera light meter. And he couldn't get the two readings to come together, and he didn't understand the background functioning of it. And he said, oh, well, this is hardly worth the trouble, and let it go. Now that we went back to it and started working on learning how to use it, uh, today we spent um, an hour and a half uh, trying to photograph these uh, images and maps. And But just, uh, just using this, uh, we were able to do it in a fashion that we would not have been able to do before. Okay. So you see a number of use cases where this tool is advantageous and it makes sense. Absolutely. Now, I've heard from people when they first pick up a, a, a handheld light meter that, they're, uh, that they see terminology that, doesn't, that they're not familiar with and it scares them. Okay. They're accustomed to the idea of an F number or a shutter speed or an ISO. Yep. But light meters, particularly handheld light meters, they give you a composite value also to work with. Yep. Uh, the composite value is called EV or exposure value. Right. And it's the combination of shutter speed aperture and ISO for that given reading. Right. So you could have lots of different ISO aperture ISO combinations that would give you the same EV value. Right. So what's your take on that? 
you're right. It's it's a value that throws you, and if it can can be used in in two ways, I think. I believe every instruction manual with the with these comes with a functional chart that gives you combinations of uh, giving you ISO, giving you f-stop, and giving you shutter speed, and you can go up and down the the spreadsheet because that's essentially what it is, and uh, you decide what you want to, how, how you want to set this up, whether you want to take an f-stop, uh, change your f-stop, or change your ISO, and if you want to change your ISO, then you better do this, or if you're going to change your shutter speed, then your f-stop is uh, going to change to this value. So again, that's a creative tool at your fingertips that can be very useful depending on what you're shooting. The other aspect where uh, I've started to realize this EV value can be very interesting is in the measurement of ratios. So you can point uh, the light meter at light source number one, and you press some buttons so that the display shows you an EV value. And then you point it at uh, light source number two, and it shows you the difference in the EV value between light source 1 and light source 2. And depending on what it shows you, for instance, if it's minus or plus 1, that's either half or twice the amount of brightness uh, between those two light sources. And then you look at that and you decide whether you want to change that or not. And you can adjust your light intensity or light distance uh, until you get uh, a ratio that you think will be a pleasing photograph for your intent. So if I hear you correctly, you can look, you'll take a reading, you'll get an EV number, and let's say you get EV16, and then you take another reading, you get EV14. That's just telling you right away that Whatever your combination is, you've got a two-stop differential right. between your two sources. Right. Seems frighteningly simple to me. It's starting to look that way. All right. So nothing for people to be fearful about. No, but it's a, it's a new concept that has to be uh, understood. Now, one of the other benefits that you talked about is the ability to measure flash. And yes. certainly in the distant past... Incident light meters were existing light only. Yes. And flash meters were separate creatures. Right. But the little device that you've got, which, because we're an auditory podcast, you can't see it. It's about the size of the palm of your hand. It's not huge. Yep. Doesn't take up a lot of space. This will also measure flash. Yep. And so, how does that work? Uh, the basic method is you choose your ISO. You set your shutter speed uh, within the limits of the flash uh, sync speed. You place your light measure, light meter on the image. You uh, twiddle the dial so that the flash knows that it is measuring, uh, or the light meter knows that it is going to be measuring flash. So now when you press the button, it doesn't take a reading immediately, but it waits for the flash to fire. 
And so you don't have to be running around like a mad fool. No, you don't. Um, if you want to spend another 300 bucks, you can actually get a little uh, transmitter thingy that goes inside it, which will fire the flash from you wherever you are. Or alternatively, if you can, if you have a cheap flash trigger, have two and fire the flash from wherever you are and uh, you get your reading. That's the mo that, in fact, is the mode I use because I have different flash systems. And guess what? They all use different controllers. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> so I'll have two transmitters, one on the camera and one that's in my pocket. There you go. But when you, once you do this, then it gives you uh, and it gives you a f-stop reading, which, if uh, deployed, will give you an adequate illumination of the image. And uh, you, you you mentioned this to me earlier, that it gives you an f-stop, but you don't have to use that f-stop because if you've decided uh, it's telling you you've got to use f11 to to get an adequate illumination and you want to use f 2.8 for depth of field well you now know that the flash is going to do uh, you know what the flash is going to do and you modify it either by increasing its output or distance from the subject or, or by whatever means you change the illumination until you have the f-stop that you want. And because it's measuring things, you don't have to guess. Measure it again. So let's take that example. You go out and you pop your flash at the subject. You've got a reading and it says f11. Okay. At your flash sync speed and the ISO and everything that you want. But you, the photographer, have made the decision to say, no, I want to use 2.8 because that's, the depth of field I want. Right. I don't want deep depth of field. I want shallow depth of field as a human. Right. So then I need to be able to alter the flash duration, the illusion of flash power. Right. So F11 to 8 is one stop. Yep. To 5.6 is two stops. Yep. To 4 is three stops. To 2.8 is four stops. Right. So then I would just turn the flash down yeah. by four stop values, like... One half, one quarter, one eighth, one sixteenth. Yep. That's pretty cool. I thought so when I started using it. Because it's not just about, oh, the flash says it must be this. But all of our flashes have output level control. So we can actually use that with the light meter to get the flash the right level of output for the depth of field that we desire. And I, I, th I thought that was the gets me off. I think it's a I think it's a pretty cool thing. Now you talked about also being able to use this if you've got a multi light setup. Yes. To set your ratios to how does my hair light contribute right. to my main light? How does my rim light or backlight contribute to my main light? Right. And and I'm not one of those people who say, Well, it's always gotta be a two to one or a four to one. But you'll make some choices and then when you say, oh, I like this better, myself or this less, right. you'll have the data yep. to know what will work that way next time. Yep. It's a wonderful learning opportunity. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, 
what else can you what else can you store in this little flash meter? It costs money, but you can actually set you can adjust the uh, the readings to fall within the dynamic range of the camera that you're using. So you now have a you go you go out and take so take some images and you have the, this one you really have to read the instructions for but you 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 can inst- uh, control the values that go in and you can store all of these in camera memory permanently until you delete them the advantage of this is that you now have as i understand it in meter zone system uh, scale and you can take readings off various parts of the scene or the image or whatever, and it will tell you where this is going to fall in the zone system. In the dynamic range. In the dynamic range of of your your camera. camera. Right. And one of the things that I want to come back to before we start to wind up is you talked about being able to identify, to measure, the flash contribution, the ambient light contribution, one of the things that I love to do myself is, as you know, I tend to carry the flash as my second lens. Second lens, <laughs> before there's a second lens. Because I like to use the flash to fill light, mm-hmm. but where it doesn't look like I've used flash. Right. With this light, with this flat light and flash meter, mm-hmm. that becomes scary easy. Now, I could put that out in front of the flower, for example, take an ambient light reading, and the ambient light reading tells me, yeah, you know, at ISO 100, at 1 125th of a second, you need F16, but it's a deep flower, and I want to get some light down in there. Right. So then I could use the flash meter, Yep. and I could find the output level for the flash that would require 22. Right. One stop down from... Ambient, right? But fill, yep. That light, or I could even set it for f sixteen, yep. And it would be equivalent, yep. I'd be matching, and I could still do this in one third stops because that's how my camera is wired, yep. From an aperture or a shutter speed perspective, I could also drag the shutter, go to a longer shutter speed, yep. And then determine, depending on how I've set my flash up, whether it's first or second curtain, something we've talked about before. I can also see what the flash contribution is going to be to that long ambient exposure. Right. So it doesn't blow it out or doesn't disappear into uselessness. Right. So does everybody need an incident light meter? Need? Probably not. You can, I think we have all demonstrated that we don't need it because we... Most of the time, we just use what's what's on the camera, and that's fine. And it continues to be fine. So, yes, you don't need it. But this does a number of things. Uh, First and foremost, it teaches you to look at an image and recognize the degrees of brightness. After you've used this for a little while, you can look at an image and you'll say, yeah, I used to think that this was about the same illumination, but that's not what the light meter tells me. So maybe that's probably what this is. So you learn you learn to see brightness differently. You learn to become a human light meter. Yes, absolutely. That's a huge value. 
It is. Yeah. Uh, if you're doing, like I said, portrait, you can measure the light. You have a better anticipation of what it's going to look like with the light that you have. And you can control the light. Uh, put it where you want it, uh, as much as you want it, and in whatever degree you want it. Uh, and that, uh, again, uh, I think is a, is a huge... Uh, uh, knowing uh, knowing how much the flash is contributing, the ambient is contributing, changes the look of your images completely. And if you are of the mindset that is inclined to sit and fiddle with these things, yeah, it's awesome. It, it teaches you the appreciation of light to a, to a point which you don't get with a reflective light meter unless you have made a conscious effort to learn things like the zone system and the, the whole spectrum of scales. And Okay. Are there places where it's really not a good fit? Well, the, the one obvious one is uh, if you cannot get close to the image that you're, you're going to take a reading off, then it's, uh, it's an impediment. I could see that be a real problem if the light falling on the subject was different from the light falling where you are. Right. That that's that's a problem if 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 the lights are different. Uh, if it's the same, uh, a person's in the bright sunlight and right next to you is a patch of bright sunlight, and you measure the bright sunlight, then bright sunlight is equal to bright sunlight is equal to bright sunlight, and you will get the right exposure. Okay. If it's not, then you don't. Anything else? Just a thing that you forgot to mention. However, depending on your light meter, either with or without an optional attachment, the lumosphere can retract or be replaced by a flat surface, which is now allowing you to measure the light coming from predominantly just one direction. Right. It's not measuring the 360 degrees. And that is uh, invaluable in stuff like artwork, uh, measuring luminosity, uh, measuring across uh, maybe a green screen. Um, Where you need to control the meter based on the angle, control the direction the of the light. Right. Uh, okay. So it, it, uh, it, it changes uh, how, it's, how it's measuring it. So it's giving you a flat reading rather than a 360-degree right. reading. And the one thing we have not talked about, because actually we don't know, not we, uh, I don't know anything about using this, but it's apparently it's a very useful device in cinematography. Oh, they're hugely useful in cinematography. That's, uh, that's another whole podcast all by itself, because you can measure... It is. And in fact, there's a version of the 308 that has a different scale. Yes, it's called a cine or something. It's called the cine. Yeah. And it, it deals with frame rate right and shutter gain and, and shutter angle right the you know the classic terminology from a cine, uh, cinematographer's perspective but it's very important there because we, we remember that even though we're shooting our video now on electronic cameras we're making jpegs mm -hmm. we're not making raws and so we've got less dynamic range right and you need to handle the level of compression. And you need to know where your IRA values are. And one of these devices can be 
absolutely essential. Right. And this, these used to be, I believe, separate devices. Well, uh, they were. Well, this dinky little thing on, out here that's about the size of the palm of my hand, and I don't have a big hand, uh, it actually uh, has a cine mode. So yeah. I can do the things that you were just talking about, uh, A, if I shot cine cinematography of some variety, or if I actually knew how, but right now I don't. That will come. I will make that happen. But right now, I don't. You haven't had the use case for it yet. Yet. This is great, Gordon. I, I, it's so much better with you doing the the study and the prep because it was newer newer to you. Yes, and I'm looking at it from from, from different, different eyes than different I'm going to bring to yes. it. You know, I've been using light meters for forty plus years. I'm already convinced. What I thought was fascinating is that you went into it with some curiosity and a bit of an open mind. And I think that you saw some value and maybe even a bit surprised mm -hmm. how in this day and age, the concept of a tool that is really 80 years old mm -hmm. made, still makes sense. Right. I'm impressed and I'm sold. Or bought, if you want to say. <laughs> Been sold. <laughs> well, that's cool. For the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast, we hope, really hope you've enjoyed this episode. I thought Gordon did a terrific job. Until next time, I'm Ross. I'm Gordon. We will speak to you soon. <laughs>